Everybody's doing well today. Uh, I taught a great session of our uh, online history class, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We taught that class today as well. All right, so it is Sunday, December 4th, 2022, and we're live. Welcome to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, and uh, once again, we're broadcasting right here on 9, 10 a.m. on the Superstation WFDF. Uh, if you, uh, we posted some articles on our fan page, the African History Network, dealing with the California Reparations Task Force and dealing with um, the uh, possible recommendation that's coming from them. Now, the National picked up by Yahoo News, Task Force floats $223,000 housing discrimination payment for black residents. Okay, now, before you start trying to figure out uh, what type of house you're going to buy uh, or what you're going to put that towards, things like that, the mind and uh, the state legislature in uh, California, and it has to be signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom, and it has to withstand legal challenges because it would definitely be challenged in court also. Uh, this piece right here uh, references references the all from um uh, times that we're going to talk about comes as a big 10 page article uh dealing with this topic california reparations task force floats two hundred twenty-three thousand housing discrimination payment uh for black residents now uh, this article from uh, yahoo picked up from the national review came out december 2nd 2022 the bill from the new york times came out uh, Thursday, the, uh, December 1st. So we're going to discuss that. We know reparations conference that, that um, also took place uh, this week as well. I know uh, Keith Williams, uh, my friend Keith Williams from Grits and Politics. Keith Williams was there. Uh, he posted about it on his, his uh, Facebook page. One of the questions I asked, and I saw also Professor Hunter Adams, uh, my friend Professor historian Hunter Adams, I know he posted a uh, article dealing with it as well. Dr. Julian Malvo was one of the people there. Cam Howard, uh, we've had Dr. Malvo and uh, Cam Howard. Um, Cam Howard's within Cobra. We've both we've had them both here on the African History Network show. Um, one of the questions that I asked, and I'm still waiting on an answer, is. Um, what are the legal arguments that are being made for reparations? Okay. What are the legal arguments being made for reparations? Cause I haven't heard any yet. Uh, uh, not with the main, not with the main, um, reparations push black Freeman Indian treaties that Dr. that, uh, Demario Solomon Simmons, attorney Demario Solomon Simmons is pushing. I know that. And we know Dr. Claude Anderson championed the, um, Black Freedmen Indian Treaties first. Okay, okay. Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution. I interviewed Brother Reggie Marbury and Dr. Jahi Issa about that uh, probably two or three years ago, but that's not being picked up by mainstream uh, reparations movement. Okay, so we'll talk about this story here. Uh, also, we'll talk about the, um, uh, we'll also talk about uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries makes history as the first black person to lead a congressional caucus. He was uh, elected House Minority Leader for Democrats. And we discussed this on uh, the culture with Faraji Muhammad 
this past Thursday, Thursday, December 1st. And we talked about the significance of that. So we'll share that clip with you as well. We know that uh, President Joe Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness is going to be reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court. I discussed that on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So uh, we'll share that clip with you also. And we'll talk about uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever came in at uh, number one. I mean, it came in number one for a fourth week in a row. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct your own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself, what you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself, what you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. All right. Uh, I want to uh, jump into uh, this first topic before before we go to break. California Reparations Task Force floats $223,000 housing discrimination payment for black residents. This is from December 2nd, 2022 from the National Review. Now, the California Reparations Task Force, which is a nine-member panel appointed by Governor Gavin Newsom, who's a Democrat, Governor of California, projects that uh, African-American state residents could be eligible, could be eligible not that they are eligible, but could be eligible for uh, as much as $223,000 per person as part of an effort to redress historical housing discrimination, as part of an effort to redress historical housing discrimination. Now, some people may say, well, they should be addressing slavery. Well, if you actually understand the history of slavery in California, his California doesn't have a real history of slavery because when California becomes a state in the union in 1850, okay? California doesn't have a real history of slavery. Now they've identified about 1500 people who were brought in after, and California comes into the union as a free state. California comes into the union, not as a slaveholding state, but as a free state. Now there are about 1500 people that have been, have been identified and kept in like quasi slavery. But what they're gonna largely redress is what happened, what the state of California was responsible for, not what the federal government was responsible for. Now, the number derives from the uh, housing wealth gap, the housing wealth gap, black Californians have allegedly experienced as a result of discriminatory policies in place between 1933 and 1937, between 1933 and 1937. Okay. Now, they're not going to deal with 400 years. Okay. First of all, California, once again, California only became a state in the union in 1850. They're not going to go back to 1619. That was in Virginia. What the hell is California going to do with 1619? California was still part of Mexico in 1619. The, the task force estimated that the policies could cost, could cost uh, black residents $5,074 per year. The task force estimated that the policies that the policies cost, okay, the um, African Americans uh, have to pay like an extra $5,074 uh, $5, per year. Now, the task force passed a motion in March of 2022 outlining eligibility based on individual, based on an individual being an African American descendant of a chattel enslaved person or the descendant of a free black person living in the U.S. prior to the end of the 19th century. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. 
We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome, welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation. All right, the call-in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, um, right before the... Right before the break, we were talking about this um, story that uh, New York Times had a big story uh, Thursday, December 1st. And then also the National Review picked up the story as well. This deals with the California Reparations Task Force that we've talked about a number of times here on the show. California Reparations Task Force floats 223000 uh, dollar housing discrimination payment for black residents. Okay, so uh, that number derives from the housing wealth gap that African Americans have allegedly experienced as a result of discriminatory policies in place between 1977 and 19, 1933 and 1977. The reparations, uh, California Reparations Task Force estimated that the policies uh, cost black residents $5,074 per year, $5,074 per year. Now, the task force passed a motion in March of 2022 outlining uh, eligibility based on an individual being uh, an African-American descendant of a chattel enslaved person or the descendant of a free black person living in the U.S. prior to the end of the 19th century. So uh, you would have to be, if you, if you were not a descendant of uh, someone who was um, uh, in chattel slavery, okay, you would have to be a descendant of a person of African descent who arrived prior to the year 1900. Now, the reason why they had to do that is because, as I said before, in uh, California, they have a law against race-based policies. So this is this is part of the problem uh, when it comes to the whole reparations movement. A lot of people are talking, but very few actually understand law. Okay, no, you're not going to be able to have. Uh, policies based on race for all African-Americans. You're going to have to meet criteria to, so that they can get around the law that bans race-based policies, okay, in uh, the state of California. But even at the federal level, race-based policies are illegal at the federal level. That's And that's because of Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Section 601, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. All right, so um, all right now, let's continue. Nearly seven percent of Californians are expected to qualify for reparations. Nearly seven percent, S E S E V E N, seven percent are expected to qualify because California has a, a has a very small African-American population. It's about 2.6 million people, which suggests the housing discrimination allotment would amount to approximately 
$569 billion statewide, $569 billion statewide, $569 billion statewide. Now, the next question is, where's that money going to come from? Then also, are you going to pay the money, the $233,000, you're going to do it in a lump sum, or is it going to be in multiple payments? Now, some people, however, were disappointed with the lineage-based approach ultimately adopted by the task force since it would potentially exclude black immigrants, for instance. The motion split the group with five four, with uh, five voting in favor and four against California Matters, Cal Matters reported in March. Uh, quote, we must make sure that we include present day and future harms, present day and future harms. The system that folks are advocating for here, where we splice things up, where only one small slice benefits will not abate the harms of racism said task force member Lisa Holder. She told this to Cal Matters. That, that sounds good. Now try to get it passed in the law and then try to defend that in court and race-based policies are illegal in California. This is why they had to go the way they had to go. So you can actually get something passed and then when it gets challenged in court, which it will be, you can keep what you passed. This is this is what a lot of people don't understand. They they want things the way that they want it to be, as opposed to understanding. See, it's the same thing with student loan forgiveness. The story we're going to deal with in 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 the second hour of the show. Student loan forgiveness, Biden student loan forgiveness has been challenged by Republicans in court. Is going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Hopefully, U.S. Supreme Court will rule institutional, and that Biden is exercising is working within his authority, okay, the executive branch of the federal government, Article Two powers given to the president, but they're using the 2003 HEROES Act passed by Congress, which gives the president the authority to discharge debt during times of a pandemic, during times of a crisis, during times of a pandemic, like during the coronavirus crisis, okay? That's the foundation of the legal argument that the Biden administration is saying that Biden has the authority through the Department of Education to discharge this student loan debt. You have to make sure that you are on firm legal footing because you will be sued and you want to be able to keep what it is that you were able to pass through Congress or 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 um, uh, put into law by an executive order. Now, let's go back to this piece here. Um, and there's an article that I want to pull. Um, this one here goes back to, uh, when does this go back to California calls for comprehensive reparations? One, there's one from... Uh, there's one from earlier this year when they decided to uh, make it based upon lineage. Okay, we'll we'll pull that one up and find that one. All right, but let's continue here. Let's see, where is that one? Uh, I saw it recently. I have a bunch of tabs open, but let's continue. 
Uh, Tom Fitton, F-I-T-T-O-N, president of the conservative watchdog organization, Judicial Watch, called the proposed payout, quote, the nation's biggest restitution ever, the nation's biggest restitution ever. He said this on, on Twitter Monday night. Now, the reparations task force was created by Governor Gates. Uh, in the wake of the national, uh, in the wake of the nationwide pro, uh, racial protest that followed the murder of George Floyd uh, in May 2020, uh, Governor Gass, Gavin Newsom has vetoed a bill uh, introduced to the California State Assembly in September 2020 by Reginald uh, Reginald Jones Sawyer, uh, an assemblyman. And pound, and poundless member that would have extended, that would have extended the uh, reparations task forces deliberations and interviews an addition uh, an additional year under until the year 2024. Now the move will bring the reparations task forces findings to a clear resolution, as it is expected to submit final recommendations by June 2023. Any recommendations the task force uh, presents will have to be approved by the California state legislature before being enacted. Okay, so it has to be approved by the state House and Senate. Then it has to be signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom. Then it's going to be blocked. Okay, the, the, uh, it's going to be blocked in court and then it's going to have to go to, it's going to have to be adjudicated and the courts are going to decide whether it's constitutional, whether it's legal, et cetera. This is what's going to happen, all right? If it's taking place, if, it, if, if lawsuits are being filed and uh, for, to, to block Biden's student loan forgiveness and his student loan forgiveness is going to benefit millions of white people, you think lawsuits are not going to be filed for reparations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, they will. There will be even more lawsuits filed. All right. Now, there was an there was a piece from. There was an article from. Um, this was from The Washington Post, I think it was. This is one from the Washington Post, and it dealt with uh, it, it dealt with them determining that any benefits given uh, would be based upon lineage. Okay, and it, there, there was one from the Washington Post, and there was one from uh, New York Times also. Okay, this this is uh ones of uh, reparations and there's another one dealing with uh, lineage as well. We'll find that. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Uh, Calling number 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number. If you have a question or comment, you listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hello, African History Network family. You've put it off for way too long. Now it's time to act for your family, your future, and the next generation. Get life insurance for that peace of mind and security 
for you and your loved ones. Build your financial foundations starting today. Your independent agent at Fortify Trust Life Brokers with over a dozen strong A-rated life insurance companies to offer you the life protection you need when it comes to final expense, term life, whole life, mortgage protection, annuities, and more. They're currently licensed in Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Don't let a pre-existing health condition hinder you from getting life insurance. You can get the affordable coverage you need today. Life insurance is only the beginning. Email them at Fortify Trust Life for a free fact sheet explaining the five basic building blocks for a strong financial foundation. It's their gift to you to help you fortify your future. Email them at FortifyTL828 at yahoo.com or call them at 706-339-5096 and leave a message. Fortify your future today. Be sure to register for the online history classes that I teach on Saturdays and Tuesdays. On Saturdays, I teach ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a 12-week online class, and we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So if you go to our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and uh, scroll down the homepage, you'll see information about uh, our Sunday night radio show. I'm on Sunday. 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF and uh, Facebook fan page and our YouTube channel uh, as well. And uh, you scroll down, we have the bundle pack for our online classes. Uh, there are two classes that I teach on uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. We teach this on uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our next class is uh, Saturday, uh, January 7th, 2023. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we also deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. So this class is on sale $60, regularly $130. Uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. And you can also use this uh, information with uh, your children as well. I would say the content is PG-13. PowerPoint presentation, we have book references, articles, video clips. Uh, you'll never see history the same way. And just click right here to register here and then click on the enroll button. And, and so you, as soon as you're in class, you can start watching the content. Okay. So you can watch the previous classes and get caught up and join us in the next class. Uh, and then Tuesdays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power. Uh, and we deal with history from basically 1800 through 1968, 1970. And uh, this class is the same format. And we teach this Tuesdays. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you don't have to stay for the whole class. If you missed the class, that's fine. You can go back and watch it anytime. Uh, so the uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. Uh, you can go back and watch the class a year from now, two years from now. You'll still have full access to the class. Uh, this class is regularly $130. It's on sale $60. And we have a bundle pack uh, of both classes. It's a over $260 value. 
on sale right now for uh, $100. Okay, you can register for both classes. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, and I've been teaching these uh, going back to 2017 uh, with um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, email us at ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and you'll get 50% off uh, the bundle pack. Okay. So you can also, uh, email us right through the website as well at the, at the uh, on the menu at the top, uh, of the website, just click on contact the African history network and it takes you to the next page to contact information, uh, as well. Okay. If you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, you for African American history month, Dakin day, Juneteenth, whatever it is, either in person or virtually, uh, email me at AHN show, at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, AHN show at theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, you can also give us a call at 313 413-462-0003. And when you click on the contact, uh, contact the African History Network, uh, once again, we have our contact information there. So you can talk, contact us uh, right through the website, okay? When we look at the... Um, overview of this class. Okay, so we can't start studying our history in slavery. Even when we study the transatlantic slave trade, which is important to study, we can't start in 1619 or in the 1440s when the Portuguese get involved. We have to understand the history chronologically and deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who enter the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, from North Africa in 711 AD. This course not only deals with the transatlantic slave trade, but thousands of years of history that leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. August 20th, 1619 was known as the uh, August 20th, 2019, marked the 400th year anniversary of those 20 and odd Africans or 20 and odd Negroes who comfort on August 20th, 2019 in what would later be called the Colony of Virginia. This year was known as the Year of Return, and Americans were and are, are continuing to reconnect to Africa and traveling to Ghana and other West African countries. When we discuss transatlantic slave trade, we have to first understand that African people are the original people of North, of North Central and South America and have been in the land we call the United States of America at least 51,700 years. So uh, we reference the David M. Hotep's book, also the first Americans were Africans, evidence. Um, in the class, and there are a number of books that we reference also. So you don't have to buy any of these books to follow along in class. I show you excerpts of the books uh, on the screen. So you'll never see history uh, the same way after you take this class, after you take these classes. All right, so be sure to register for these online classes at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, 
Uh, I want to go to this uh, call I was looking for uh, from the New York Times. This is from March 30th, uh, 2022. California task force votes to offer reparations only to descendants of enslaved people. California task force votes to offer reparations only to descendants of uh, enslaved people. The decision came after weeks of debate about whether all black Californians should receive reparations. This is from March 30th, 2022. Now, it says um, California is one step closer to determining who could receive reparations and a closely watched tele, uh, watch decision. The state's reparations task force voted Tuesday, Tuesday night to move forward with compensation for African-Americans, uh, African-American descendants of enslaved people and descendants of free black people living in the United States prior to the 19th century. So before the year 1900. This is a big deal as California's reparations effort is the first of its scale and is likely to serve as a model for the rest of the nation. Not to mention, not to mention that um, the decision was a highly contentious one. Not to mention that the decision was a highly contentious one. The vote uh, five to four came after weeks of debate about whether reparations should be for all 2.6 million Californians or limited to those who can trace their lineage to enslaved people. Those limited, limited to those who can trace their lineage to enslaved people. The panel ultimately decided to focus on those most hurt by slavery instead of more broadly addressing the effects of racism directed at black people. Quote, that's not the point of reparations. Reparations is responding to the injuries of a specific group. Uh, Jovan Scott Lewis, a uh, UC Berkeley uh, professor and task force member said during Tuesday's meeting, there's a community who for centuries has been demanding recognition. Yeah, but still what, what people don't understand is um, you have to do that within the existing law. Otherwise, that stuff is going to get struck down and you're going to end up with nothing. Okay. And this is, this is, uh, what some of the academics don't seem to understand. In September 2020, California created the nine member task force to study and record and recommend reparations. The panel is supposed to complete a report by the summer 2023 that would detail who should get reparations, that would detail who should get reparations, in what form reparations would be in, and in what amounts. Okay, so uh, re read the rest of this article here. I want to go to, uh, there was a big one from uh, the New York Times that uh, came out uh, December 1st, 2022. Okay, Thursday, December 21st, 2022. And if we look at this one here, this one is called uh, California Panel Sizes Up Reparations for Black Citizens. We'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. 
Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. When we go to the phone lines, we'll go to Gary on line one here in just a minute. Um, so in the two years, also this article is written by Curtis Lee. Curtis Lee for uh, the New York Times. In the, in the two years since nationwide social justice protests followed the murder of George Floyd, California has undertaken the nation's uh, undertaken the nation's most sweeping effort yet to explore some, some concrete restitution, some concrete restitution to black citizens to address the enduring economic effects of slavery and racism. A nine member uh, reparations task force has spent months traveling uh, across California to learn about the generational effects of racist policies and actions. Now, we know that back in June of 2022, they released a 500 page report. That's the most comprehensive, um, analysis, comprehensive study on the African-American community since the 1968 Kerner Commission report, all right? Uh, there's a good article from the Washington Post on this. California calls for comprehensive reparations for black Americans. I'll show that article in just a minute. Now, the group formed uh, by legislation signed by Governor Gavin Newsom in, in 2020 is scheduled to release a report to lawmakers in Sacramento, the capital of California, in 2023, outlining recommendations for, for state-level reparations for state level reparations. Now, Jovan Scott Lewis, professor at the University of California, Berkeley, who's a member of the task force said, we are looking at reparations on a scale that is the largest since reconstruction. Okay, the reconstruction era, which was 1865 to 1877. Now, while the creation of the task force is a bold first step, much remains unclear about whether lawmakers will ultimately throw their political weight uh, much as much remains unclear about whether lawmakers will, will throw their political weight behind reparations proposals that will require vast financial resources from the state. Uh, Dr. Lewis said, uh, Dr. Jovan Scott Lewis, said, this is why we must put forward a robust plan with plenty of options. Now, the effort parallels others on a local level in California and elsewhere to address the nation's stark racial disparities and a persistent wealth gap, and a persistent wealth gap. Now, the median wealth of African-American households in the United States is $24,100 compared to the median wealth of white households at $188,200, according to the most recent uh, Federal Reserve Board survey of consumer finances. And uh, the median is the statistical measure of where uh, it's the point where 50% of a population is above that point and 50% of a population is below that point. All right, let's go to the uh, phone lines. Let's go to Gary line one. Gary, thanks for holding. Welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, Gary. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I was uh, at a few um, 
I mean, something bad about Mexico, like, as far as, um, you know how... Are you you on a speakerphone or or Bluetooth? You're not sounding clear. Oh, yeah, let me take it off. Okay, let me take it off. Yeah, can you hear me better now? Yeah, you sound better. Go ahead. No. Okay. No, I was saying, you know how California actually, the reason why it became a state or how it was... um, Actually, there was slavery in California, but um, originally, all the most of the Western states were Spanish um, colonies. They were California was part of Mexico. California was part of Mexico. The U.S. US gets California in the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Mexico got the independence, huh? California was part of Mexico. Yeah, Mexico the, got the U.S. Just, just a second, just a second. Hold on. Mexico, the, uh, the U.S. Uh-huh. got California as part of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo of 1848, which is the treaty. Right, 1848. Which, right, that's right. the treaty that ended right. the Mexican American. So what I'm trying to say, my point is, as far as slavery in all of the Spanish colonies, there was slavery and the Claude Anderson, Dr. Claude Anderson, he does a very good lecture on it, and he was explaining how uh, the blacks, George Washington of Mexico, Vicente Guerrero, that's the guy that led the the troops against um, Spain and got independence in 1821. Well, well, Vicente Guerrero becomes president. Yeah, yeah, Vicente, we're coming up on a break. Hold on just a second. Vicente Guerrero becomes president of Mexico in 1829. What does that have to do with the United States and and reparations? That's when it was abolished. He's the one that abolished slavery in 1829. That's the point. In Mexico. In the um, colonies. But in the, yeah, right, in, in the country of Mexico, which included most of the Western states, you know, California included, like, um, you know, Arizona, all those states were part of Mexico. That's right. They got it under the Treaty of Guadalupe in eighteen forty-eight. Right. And so, but when but when Vicente Guerrero abolished slavery, you know, just like here, they abolished slavery in eighteen sixty-five. But they still had de facto slavery. It still went on. In other words, you know, they still had um, people enslaving the African people. You know. Right. Okay, but we're coming. We're coming up on a break, Gary. Hold, 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 hold on, we'll, we'll hold you over. We're coming up on a break. Stand by. Hold on, we're coming up on a break. All right, you listen. To, you listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll, we'll continue this another side of the break. Also, we'll talk about Representative Hakeem Jeffries uh, of New York becoming a House Minority Leader, which is the first time in history an African American has led a congressional caucus. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hello, African History Network family. You've put it off for way too long. Now it's time to act for your family, your future, and the next generation. Get life insurance for that peace of mind and security for you and your loved ones. Build your financial foundations starting today. Your independent agent at Fortify Trust Life Brokers with over a dozen strong A-rated life insurance companies to offer you the life protection you need when it comes to final expense, term life, whole life, mortgage protection, annuities, and more. 
They're currently licensed in Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Don't let a pre-existing health condition hinder you from getting life insurance. You can get the affordable coverage you need today. Life insurance is only the beginning. Email them at Fortify Trust Life for a free fact sheet explaining the five basic building blocks for a strong financial foundation. It's their gift to you to help you fortify your future. Email them at FortifyTL828 at Yahoo.com or call them at 706-339-5096 and leave a message. Fortify your future today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, WFDF. The call in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Uh, before we go back to the phone lines, I want to remind you that we have a special bundle pack of uh, 15 of my lectures available at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com theafricanhistorynetwork.com uh and this uh this bundle pack is in digital download format uh this is uh african history awakens the african mind uh from mental death 15 lecture download bundle pack uh by michael m hotel and we have it it's a 150 dollar value it's on sale uh for 50 dollars for a couple more days so uh Visit theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. And as um, soon as you order it, you can start uh, uh, downloading the videos and, and streaming them, watching them uh, as well. Okay. All right. Let's go back quickly to the phone lines. We want to get uh, Gary's uh, uh, last thoughts on this. And then I got to get back to this um, this article. Go ahead, Gary. Uh, uh, go ahead with your final thoughts. Yeah, no. Yeah, the main reason that I was bringing that point up is because a lot of um, our people, they get caught up on this um, 1619 date as far as slavery. You know, the Spanish, they even had colonies in South Carolina in the 1500s, early 1500s. They had started in Jamaica, really, in the 1494, they built Spanish towns, and then they, you know, expanded into North America, Central America, and they came into you know, yeah. this country, um, West, mostly the Western states like uh, and Mexico, you know, but they enslaved um, people for hundreds of years. That's like, if you, you know, 1500 all the way up till the 1829 when Vicente Guerrero, the black man that led against the Spanish, you know, he's right. the one that actually led the troops to defeat them and allowed them to get their independence and he abolished slavery in 1829 so right. that's like hundreds of years that black people were enslaved in those states so they can't say that like um, there was no slavery in California but a lot of people when, 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 I, say, when I say there was no slavery oh, just a second. when I say there was no slavery in California we're talking about when California became a state in the union Cal the, the 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 state well, of California slavery, but it wasn't legal on paper. It was uh, I'm legal familiar with that. That's what that's what I'm talking about. But 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 when but when yeah, the, 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 when when the state yeah. of California deals with rep repairing the damage of slavery, 
to African Americans that live in California, they're not they're not dealing with what happened uh -huh. when California was part of Mexico. You got to go to Mexico for reparations for that. They're dealing with when California became a state in the Union in 1850. No, no, I mean Mexico. I mean, um, you're talking about black people that who, um, you know, did like labor to build the um, infrastructure in California, like they were there like for hundreds of years, like um, so. Um, I don't think it's fair. I'm familiar with the history. It's only 20, 20 years. I'm familiar with the history. 20 years difference anyway, 29 and 1850 or something, whatever. Like that little bit of period right there. Um, that the, but like I said, even though in 1850, they still practice it just as they did in the South. When Lincoln signed like something in 1865, that don't mean nothing still went on under um, different, you no, know. It was 3.9 million African-Americans that huh? were freed by the 13th Amendment. It was 3.9 million African-Americans that were freed, uh, legally free, because you, you had to amend the U.S. Constitution because the U.S. Constitution sanctioned slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation did not free the enslaved Africans. Then, Hold on just a second, just a second. The Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, then that's why you got Juneteenth. The Emancipation Proclamation did not free the enslaved Africans. And the reason why it did not free them is if you actually go to LOC.gov, which is the Library of Congress website, or you go to archives.gov and actually read it, oh, no. it, tell, yeah, it tells yeah. you that. The, I understand it says, that. Well, well, Gary, you ain't the only one listening to the show. Just a second. All right. Uh, okay, uh, uh, Gary, we got to go. Okay, th thanks for calling, Gary. Thanks for calling. Keep listening. Okay, if you go to archives.gov or or uh, the Library of Congress website and you actually read the Emancipation Proclamation, it tells you that the that the slaves in the states of rebellion or the territories of rebellion are free, but the slaves who still are in the border states of Missouri, Delaware, Kentucky, and Maryland, they're still slaves because those states, those states stay loyal to the Union. Maryland did not abolish slavery until November 1st, 1864. This is almost two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. This is why if we're going to talk about reparations, we need to know what the hell we're talking about because 99% of these conversations about reparations are not dealing with law. They're not dealing with understanding law, okay? And it's a, it's a and and be quite honest with you, it was a poor understanding. Want to seek a legal remedy to a historical problem? You need to understand both history and law. And ninety nine percent of these conversations are, are not dealing with that. And I still I'm still waiting on somebody to explain to me what law you're citing that states are supposed to be paid, because even though slavery was morally wrong, even if it happened. If if your if your argument is that Af is that African Americans who are alive today are owed monetary reparations because their ancestors worked for 246 years in this country from 1619 1865 and did not get paid. Yes, it was morally wrong. But what are you trying to legally enforce? What law are you citing 
then African slaves were supposed to be paid. Now they're two, le they're two legal arguments, two strong legal arguments to make. That's not one of them because you're not enforcing law. If you are enforcing law, show me what law you're enforcing. Was it in a colony? Was it in a state? Is it in the US constitution? Is it part of a treaty? We can look at Black Freedmen and Indian treaties of 1866. We see that there were African-Americans who, who, who were owned by the Choctaw, Chickasaw Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians. They actually got some compensation. They got land. They got membership into Native American nations. Now, a lot of that land was taken back from them. They were pushed out of those Native American nations, many of them, because the, 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 because the U.S. conspired with the five civilized tribes of Native Americans in 1941 and afterwards to redefine what a Native American is. And it stated that you have to have one quarter or one quantum Native American blood when that was not what was stated by the previous treaties. But those laws are still on the books today. So when we look at like this right here, uh, what I talked about at the beginning of the show uh, with uh, Attorney Demario Solomon Simmons uh, is doing uh, with uh, Representative Maxine Waters. OK, this is dealing with uh, the grill dot com has, has an article um, uh, on this. Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. Let's look at this between uh, moral arguments and legal arguments for reparations. When you go to lawmakers, go to argue, go to argue law. The foundational law in this country is the U.S. When laws get challenged, they get challenged in court on the basis of what constitutional or unconstitutional. So, so your legal argument needs to be rooted in the U.S. Constitution, needs to be rooted in treaty. We'll, we'll continue this on the other side of the network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. 9:10 a.m. Superstation, a division of Adele Media. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and/or the persons appearing on the program, and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 9:10 a.m. Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show. Okay, uh, right before the break, I said we'll go to this. Um, this story here from the griot.com. This is from October 13th, 2021. Okay. You can kill the music. You can kill the music. Thank you. This says from October 13th, 2021, Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black native Americans. This is from the griot.com written by April Ryan, who's the white house correspondent for the griot. Now um, a dispute between black members of indigenous tribes and the federal government is part of a history that is now being exposed on Capitol Hill. Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California is calling out Native American tribes who held black slaves and continue to discriminate against black Native Americans and continue to discriminate against black Native Americans. Descendants of those enslaved by the hands of Native American tribes, specifically what are known as the five civilized tribes of Native Americans, the Choctaw, Chickasaw Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians, may get a slice of justice through access to Native American federal subsidies. 
may get a slice of justice through access uh, through access to Native American uh, federal subsidies that had previously been denied to them. The California Congresswoman is seeking to get five tribes to comply with their 1866 treaty obligation. Now we're talking about law. We're not talking about beliefs. We're not talking about opinions. Treaties are law. And Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution tells you that all the previous treaties and all the subsequent treaties, as well as the U.S. Constitution, are the supreme law of the land. So we're talking about law. Say, saying that uh, our ancestors worked for free for 246 years is not a legal argument. If you think it's a legal argument, show me what law you're citing the slaves were supposed to be paid. I've been studying history for 30 years. I still haven't found it. I'd like for you to show it to me. Where is it? What, what was it in the colony? If it's in one colony, it doesn't apply to other colonies. The Virginia Slave Codes of 1705 applied to Virginia. They didn't apply to Massachusetts. That didn't apply to Connecticut. That didn't apply to Maryland. This is this is why a lot of this stuff dealing with reparations, you don't see me involved in because they're not making legal arguments. And unfortunately, a lot of them don't want to make legal arguments. They want to keep doing it the way they've been doing it for the last 50 years. I've talked to some of them. And I'm like, well, why aren't you dealing with the Black Freeman Indian Treaties 1866? Those are laws still on the books. One, two, we actually got something. People want to talk about tangibles. We actually got some tangibles from it. Why, why are you trying to figure out, calculate a number of money that you think is old, but you ain't going to be able to force it because you can't cite no law that slaves were supposed to be paid in the first place? I've had conversations with some of them and they just want to keep the, uh... okay, all right. The California Congresswoman is seeking to get five tribes to comply with their 1866 treaty obligations, which is law treaties that recognize black native American freedmen and their descendants as full citizens of their tribes, therefore making them entitled to all of the rights afforded to any other citizens of the tribes because they're actually talking about enforcing law, which were treaties that many of our ancestors were in and actually got something tangible for it, got land. This is how you get a sour rector. The Black Freeman India treaties along with the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887, which redistributed 138 million acres of land. And uh, if the majority of it was supposed to go to Native Americans and black Indians, but white people got two thirds of the land. This is where you get the $5 Indian from. Uh, you had to anglicize your name to be on the Dawes Rolls. And uh, when white people found out about this, they paid $5 to have their names added to the Dawes Rolls so they can get some of that land for free. But many of our ancestors did get compensation from this, okay? Not from other stuff that people are floating out there talking about reparations. And, and see, my thing is like, I'm for whatever's going to work. Okay. That's my motto. See, I'm not for all this theory. I'm for whatever's going to work. Okay. Now, if we want to see what's going to work, why don't we look at what has worked historically? If we want to see what's going to work as far as reparations, why don't we look at what has worked historically? Because the Black Freeman in the Indian treaties should like be our foundational argument. You start there, enforce that, and build from there.
because those African-Americans actually got something. And then that history of the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties ties into the origins of Tulsa, Oklahoma, because Tulsa, Oklahoma was founded by Creek Indians around 1834 who got pushed off their land in southeast of the United States because of the Indian Removal Act of 1830. And when they go uh, on the Trail of Tears over a thousand miles and they're pushed off their land in southeast of the United States, along with the Cherokee who were in Georgia and these different Native American nations who were in Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama. They go over a thousand miles into Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears and they take their African slaves with them because about a third of the people on the Trail of Tears were African people. And then they go into Oklahoma and Tulsa, Oklahoma was founded around 1834 by Creek Indians. And Tulsa comes from the uh, Tulsa comes from the Creek Indian word Talasi. This is why in North Tulsa where African-Americans were relegated to because of segregation and at the intersection of Greenwood, Archer and Pine, that began what became Black Wall Street, the business district, the Greenwood district. You still had a small number of uh, Creek Indians who lived in North Tulsa along with African-Americans because it was Creek Indians who founded Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, right about 1834. And a lot of the early African-American landowners in Tulsa, in what becomes Black Wall Street, a lot of them got land from the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties. This is why I don't understand why people are not dealing with this. They trying to hocus pocus some nonsense. I don't, I don't, I'm telling you, I'm sitting back looking at this stuff and I'm talking to people and I'm like, uh, see, once again, I'm for whatever works. Now, to look at what will work, let's look at what's worked in the past. If, if they got compensation from these treaties before, why the hell ain't we starting there? Why are we starting with trying to come up with a number to enforce some, some law that don't exist? Then there was one dumbass study that came out a couple years ago that said African-Americans are owed six quadrillion dollars for slavery. The, the, at the time the study came out, six quadrillion dollars didn't exist in the entire world with almost eight billion people. What the hell good is a study for an amount of money that don't exist? It, unless you just want to keep just getting paid to do studies, that's your reparations, getting paid to do. What the six quadrillion dollars didn't exist in 2021 with almost eight billion people. And, and and you think and the the US with the US government they have about 20 trillion. A, a one quadrillion is a one followed by 18 zeros. It doesn't matter how much you think you're old, only thing that matters is how much you can collect. What the hell good is a study saying that you owe an amount of money that don't exist in the entire world? More simple Simon nonsense. Now, let's go, let's go back to this. Because I'm for whatever works. So let's look at what's worked before. Um, Representative Maxine Waters tells the grill.com that the Cherokee had 2,511 slaves. Um, the Choctaw had 2,349. Now, now the, 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 um, 
depending upon which year you're looking at, the numbers are going to vary. And different, there, there were good, different groups of Cherokee because they they own more than 2,511. I looked at some of the n- numbers the Cherokee have owned. The Cherokee were the ones who owned the most number of African slaves. That's why, you know, many of us have, many African Americans have Cherokee ancestry. I'm one of them on my mother's side of the family because my mother's side of the family is from Tennessee. So my, 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 my great grandmother on my mother's side of the family, she was um blackfoot and african-american and her husband was cherokee and irish uh the choctaw had 2349 slaves the creek had 1532 the chickasaw has 975 and the seminole had 200 to 300 slaves and are different groups of the seminole now as professor james small told me he said the red Tail Creek Indians did not own slaves, whereas some other groups of the Creek Indians did own slaves. Okay. But he said the Professor James Small told me that the Red Tail Creek Indians did not own slaves. Now, much of the dispute between black members of the indigenous tribes and the federal government is part of a history that is now being exposed on Capitol Hill. You probably not going to see a lot of. I don't remember seeing something like this about on MSNBC. Now, on MSNBC during um, the when we had the 100th commemoration of the Tulsa race massacre. Okay, during that period of time, and there was wall-to-wall coverage of Black Wall Street and getting into this history, and you have people like Hannibal B. Johnson on MSNBC. This history did come up. Now, a lot of people missed it. I knew it. I know Hannibal B. Johnson. I've talked to him. Hannibal B. Johnson wrote this book here. This one right here. This was one of the first historical books on Black Wall Street. Hannibal B. Johnson wrote this book, Black Wall Street from Ride to Renaissance in Tulsa's Historic Greenwood District. This book came out about 1998. This was one of the first. Um. books to deal with the real history of Tulsa, Oklahoma and Black Wall Street. And then for the 100th, 100th commemoration in 2021, he wrote a what, like a 100 year anniversary book. But I've talked to Hannibal B. Johnson on Facebook. OK, so when I did my uh, lecture in 2014, my two and a half hour lecture on the history of Black Wall Street, this was one of my sources for it because I actually read the book. All right. That's how. I know a lot of this stuff that's floating around people are talking about. No, that's not, that ain't the real history. Um, okay, let's continue. We'll go to the phone lines here in just a minute. Stand by. All right, let's continue. So much of the dispute between black members of the indigenous tribes and the federal government is part of a history that is now being exposed on Capitol Hill. Now, Tulsa rose to national notoriety this year. Now, this article is from 2021. As the nation commemorated the century-old massacre that destroyed 40 blocks of black wealth, commonly known as Black Wall Street. Okay, now here, the three survivors of the Tulsa race massacre as well, you got Uncle Red, Leslie, uh, Leslie Benningfield Rando, Hughes Van Ellis, and Viola Fletcher, okay? 
But now Representative Maxine Waters is leading efforts to get the descendants of the black enslaved people uh, on Native American re reservations across Oklahoma and Western states their due. The chairwoman and House Financial Services Committee Democrats have been fighting for the treaty rights of freedmen descendants since at least 2008. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. This to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Be sure to register for the online history classes that I teach on Saturdays and Tuesdays. On Saturdays, I teach ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a 12-week online class, and we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So if you go to our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and uh, scroll down the homepage, you'll see information about uh, our Sunday night radio show. I'm on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF and uh, Facebook fan page and our YouTube channel uh, as well. And uh, you scroll down, we have the bundle pack for our online classes. Uh, there are two classes that I teach. On uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We teach this on uh, Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our next class is uh, Saturday, uh, January 7th, 2023. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we also deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. So this class is on sale $60, regularly $130. Uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. And you can also use this uh, information with uh, your children as well. I will say the content is PG-13. PowerPoint presentation, we have book references, articles, video clips. Uh, you'll never see history the same way. And just click right here to register here and then click on the enroll button. And, and so you, as soon as you're in class, you can start watching the content. OK, so you can watch the priest classes and get caught up and join us in the next class. Uh, and then Tuesdays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power. Uh, and we deal with history from basically 1800 through 1968, 1970. And uh, this class is the same format. We teach this Tuesdays. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you don't have to stay for the whole class. If you missed the class, that's fine. You can go back and watch it anytime. Uh, so the uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. Uh, you can go back and watch the class a year from now, two years from now. You'll still have full access to the class. Uh, this class is regularly $130. It's on sale $60. And we have a bundle pack uh, of both classes. It's a over $260 value on sale right now for uh, $100, okay? You can register for both classes. If you're taking any of my online classes in the past, and I've been teaching these uh, going back to 2017 uh, with um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, email us at ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and you'll get 50% off uh, the bundle pack. Okay. So you can also, uh, email us right through the website as well at the, at the uh, on the menu at the top uh, of the website, just click on contact the African history network and it takes you to the next page to contact information, uh, as well. Okay. 
Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right. Uh, so right before the break, we were talking about the uh, article here from the griot.com uh, from 2021. Now, a lot of people don't know about this um, information. A lot of people don't know about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. Uh, that's one of the uh, that's one of our best ways to get some type of uh, reparations to repair the damage of a legacy of uh, slavery and Jim Crow segregation and racism, things like that, because um, th th these Africans who, who were uh, slaves of the of the five civilized tribes, Native Americans actually got some type of compensation. All right, let's go back to this article. Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. Which which one of the Republicans are, are helping uh, or leading the, the, the push to get justice for black Native Americans? Any Republicans? Not even the black ones are doing that. Not even Burgess Owens of, of uh, Utah or Brian Donald of of uh, Florida, the, the guy married to the white woman. He He's not doing that. He, neither one of them are for reparations. Senator Tim Scott uh, of South Carolina, he's not for reparations. Kevin Carkey's not for reparations. You can't find one Republican. And then we look at H.R. 40. H.R. 40 has uh, about 200 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives. They're all Democrats. No, no Republicans support H.R. 40. If they don't support a study of reparations, you think they're actually going to support distributing reparations? Hell no. Elections have consequences. But now Representative Maxine Waters is leading efforts to get the descendants of black enslaved people on Native American reservations across Oklahoma and Western states their due. The chairwoman and House Financial Services uh, Committee, uh, Democrats have been fighting for uh, the, the treaty rights of freedmen descendants since at least 2008. Now, now uh, she'll be, she's not gonna be chairwoman of the uh, House Financial Services Committee. It'll be a Republican. She'll be the uh, co-chair. Now, many of uh, these tribes forced their enslaved uh, Africans along the famous Trail of Tears that carried the Native Americans west and helped establish the roots of the black population of Greenwood, Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, much of Black Wall Street, much of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was also built from treaties between the United States government and tribes, okay? Much of much of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was also built from treaties between the United States government and tribes, okay? All that wasn't just entrepreneurship. And, oh, the, the, you know, these Black people, they were former slaves and they just bought land and all this. No, some of that came from the treaties. And, I, and, and Hannibal B. Johnson deals with this in his book. That's how I knew it. That I knew this years ago. This is once again, this is why I'm sitting back and I'm looking at people have reparations conferences and I'm like, okay, so it's just like, it's just like the one that took place. And, you know, some of my friends are there. I know, I know some of the people who were there. I've had some of them here on the show. Okay. But my thing is, uh, and I, and I brought this up to Keith Williams. Keith, Keith, my boy, but 
if if we have a rep conference and we're not talking about legal arguments for reparations then what are we talking about at the reparations conference if you're seeking a legal remedy to a historical problem then we need to discuss history and law and history as it pertains to law if you're seeking a legal remedy for a historical problem we need to discuss history and law and history as it pertains to law if we're not talking about legal arguments for a historical problem at a reparations conference what are we discussing evansroundtable.com Evanston, evanstonroundstable.com, Evanston, Illinois, December 3rd, 2022, because it was a reparations conference took place and they gave awards this weekend. Reparations leaders demand Biden act on H.R. 40. U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, Democrat of Texas in Evanston, Friday for National Reparations Symposium, demanded that President Joe Biden put H.R. 40 in place via executive order to set up the commission to study and develop reparation proposals for African-Americans after 38-year congressional stalemate. The Congresswoman made her case for federal reparations as local and state leaders from across the country stood in solidarity behind her during a news conference at the Hilton Orrington Evanston. HR 40 is 38 years on the books waiting for someone to say yes. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, God bless her heart, said, today we ask with no apologies for an executive order to be in place. An executive order now, we are Americans too. I want for once an acceptance of the history of the journey that African-Americans have taken to be accepted reality in America, Jackson Lee said, not out of anger, but out of how do we come together to resolute what happened. HR 40 now has nearly 200 co-sponsors. They're all Democrats and was introduced in 1989 by the late U.S. Representative John Conyers, a Democrat from Michigan before some, um, uh, how should I put this for FCC regulated radio, uh, before some mightier than thou, holier than holy liberal Democrats forced him out as opposed to letting the process already in place in the House of Representatives with an investigation and all that, as opposed to letting that process play out. You had some who just wanted to force them out because of allegations of sexual harassment, things like this. There's a, there's a, there's a process in place in the House as well as the Senate to deal with that, okay? Let, let the process play out. Why are you trying to force somebody out before you let the process let, let the let the process play out then what happened was 
when he was forced to resign, the no good governor that we had here in uh, Michigan, Governor Rick Snyder, Go Governor Flint Water Crisis Rick Snyder, you know what Rick Snyder did? Now, now the governor has the authority to appoint somebody to fill a vacant House seat or Senate seat. This is why it's important who you vote for governor, because that can tilt the balance of power in Congress. You know what Governor Snyder did? He left the seat vacant. Governor Snyder left the seat vacant. Do you realize that if a vote had taken place in the House and it was like a one vote margin, that one seat that was left vacant could help Republicans block a bill? So Governor Snyder, he didn't appoint somebody to just carry out the rest of the term. And then when you have your midterm elections, then you elect somebody to fill the full term. You know, he just left the seat vacant. Hmm. People didn't even see, people don't even realize the type of strategy he implemented. And he, um, Conyers was a very powerful, uh, member of the House of Representatives. Now the mistake that one of the mistakes Conyers did made, one of the mistakes John Conyers made, Conyers didn't train a successor that everybody knows is the successor to keep that seat. So now we, so, so and then the, uh, he, he was the 13th congressional district. So now we know the 13th and 14th congressional districts combined. Now we don't have any black representation for Detroit in the House of Representatives because uh, uh, Brenda Lawrence, 14th Congressional District, she, she retired, 13th or 14th are combined. We don't have any black representation. Sri Tanadar took, uh, uh, one, one, uh, one, the, uh, won the house seat for the 13th Congressional District. Then we now I'd rather have Sri Tanadar in there than, than a Republican, but Conyers was there for 50 years and he, he didn't groom a successor. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm looking at, I was looking at people post stuff about the reparations conference this weekend and it's cool. I know some of the people there, Dr. Julie Malvo and Robin Ruth Simmons, who was the councilwoman from Evanston, Illinois, who spearheaded the reparations initiative in Evanston, Illinois. We had her here on the show for an hour. Love Robin. Okay. But I'm still trying to figure out what legal arguments they're making for reparations. We'll continue this on another side of the break. We'll go to the phone lines, listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio. All right. Uh, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. And also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the African History Network show. Uh, we have the information on our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, our new bundle pack, we have uh, this promotion uh, going on for a couple of more days. 
Uh, this is a bundle of 15 of my lectures. We have it in digital download format, so you don't have to uh, wait uh, for me to ship any DVDs, anything like that. Uh, it's in digital download format. Uh, this is African History Awakens the African Mind uh, from Mental Death. It includes 15 of my lectures. Uh, it's all in digital download format. And we have it available at um, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, TheAfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? We have the information right on the homepage of our website. So when you scroll down, you see it. And it's on sale $50. This is a $150 value. This bundle pack is on sale $50. So you can order it right now and start watching uh, the uh, videos immediately and downloading the videos, all right? Okay. And that helps support the African History Network as well. All right. Uh, we're going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to this piece here from the griot, and then we're going to uh, the segment from um, when I was on the culture for Raji Muhammad show. I want to go back to this article here because a lot of people don't understand this history, and this is part of the problem. We keep trying to, um, I keep hearing, I was speaking at a, a Midwestern um, decarbonization summit and we're dealing with um, reparations and climate change and things like this. And I dealt with some of this information there and a lot of people weren't dealing with that because they're dealing with uh, trying to come up with a number that's old with no mechanism to enforce it. All right. Okay, much of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma was also built from treaties between the United States government and the Native American tribes. So right there, when people are saying, how can we have another Black Wall Street? Well, have you studied the history of how we had the first one or the biggest one in Tulsa? A lot of that had to do with the native, a lot of that had to do with these Native American treaties, the Black Freed, Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. So why aren't we making the argument for that to be enforced? And I know, you know, Dr. Claude Anderson is one of my teachers. We've had him on the show. He talked about that. And he talked about the mistake that he made when he was when he was really pushing, pushing that under the Obama administration is that he went to the executive branch of the federal government. And he said he should have he should have dealt with the legislative branch of the federal government. Now, five tribes in Oklahoma, the Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Muscogee Creek, and Seminole Nations sided with the Confederacy during the Civil War. We talked about this before, and they violated their treaties when they did this. They committed treason against the U.S., but after the war concluded, each of them signed treaties, these, these additional treaties, in 1866 with the United States that granted tribal citizenship to those who were enslaved as well as their descendants. So this, so the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties didn't just include those who were enslaved and include future generations. 
their descendants. So you mean that applies to some black people who are alive today? Yes. When I, when I was uh, speaking on the, um, for the environmental conference, I, I cited an article from uh, New York Times that said that they had identified about 160,000 African-Americans who, who would qualify for these treaties today. Now, some people may say, oh, well, there's 45, 50 million of us. That's true. Now, what, um, what are you going to enforce for the rest of them? What, what law are you trying to enforce? Because this is where we should start right here and build from there. Because there's a history of us actually getting something from these treaties. After the Civil War, the black tribal slaves gained their freedom through sections of treaties issued in 1866 and in turn were then known as freedmen. See, they didn't keep calling themselves slaves after slavery ended. This is why when I hear people referring to themselves as descendants of slaves, I have to ask you, I have to ask them, you do realize that the slaves are freed, right? If they didn't keep calling themselves slaves after slavery ended, then why are you calling yourself a descendant of slaves 154 years after chattel slavery ended? It's the, I just don't understand this. I, I'm just, I'm, I went to public school. I just don't understand this. They did. They, they call themselves freedmen, black freedmen, ex-slaves. They didn't keep calling themselves slaves after slavery ended. So why are some people running around calling themselves the sinners of slaves? Why do you keep trying to put your ancestors back into a condition that they were freed from and took up arms to fight to free themselves from that condition? I don't understand this. Both the Dawes Act of 1893, and there's a Dawes Allotment Act of 18, um, 18, 1887, both the Dawes Act of 1893 and Curtis Act of 1898 allowed the United States to acquire the Native American land. Okay, we're talking about law. Land allotment went against Native American culture that's ascribed to common ownership of property. But additionally, as members of the five formerly, uh, as members of the five formerly slaveholding tribes, freedmen received unequal land allotments. Black freedmen, unequal land allotments, which were less than the allotments provided to some white non-tribal citizen individuals. Okay, Representative Maxine Waters, who serves as the chairwoman of the U.S. House Financial Services Committee, plans to legislate and work with agencies on this issue because the Department of Housing and Urban Development, as well as housing uh, issues are within the jurisdiction of the committee, the chairwoman is able to propose legislation related to housing subsidies, uh, related to housing subsidies tribes receive, okay? Read the rest of this uh, article here. Now, um, it's proposed, okay, Build Back Better didn't pass, all right? Uh, maybe in 2024, Democrats take back control of the house. Cause I think Democrats take back control of the house. People going to, the, the, the Republicans are just talking about doing investigation. They want to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop and investigate this and that. They're not talking about governing. They're not talking about fighting inflation, fighting crime, any of that stuff. Demario Solomon Simmons, an attorney 
for the last remaining survivors of the Tulsa massacre is also is also a Black Creek uh, and represents Black Creeks who are petitioning to access the full rights and citizenship of the Muscogee Creeks. So there, so he's talking about enforcing law and enforcing treaties. Solomon Simmons told the Griot. Dot com quote there would not have been a black wall street or successful greenwood without black indian black creek black cherokee that's true and without those treaties so once again when i hear people say how can we have another black wall street well have you studied how we had the first one now let, let, let's look at the uh, so look Let's continue. Many of the Tulsans who established Greenwood's business district in the early 1900s were of mixed Native American heritage due to their tribally enslaved ancestors. However, there were also freedmen who also belonged to the tribes. Demario Solomon Simmons said his great grandfather was a Black Creek and became a chief. Quote, he saved the lives of countless, he said. He was one of five individuals who negotiated the Treaty of 1866 and signed it. And in that treaty, it stated that black people who were formerly enslaved, formerly enslaved would have the same citizenship rights. This, end quote. The same tribes today are resisting giving the descendants of their enslaved of their enslaved federal subsidies they agreed to in those treaties so we're trying to talking about enforcing law we, we they're not talking about enforcing um our ancestors worked for free for 246 years therefore you owe us 14 trillion or 27 trillion but can't cite what law they're citing that slaves were supposed to be paid in the first place see at least here they're dealing with treaties they're dealing with established law and we already got some benefits from that and we're trying to enforce that once again read this full article because well I, I don't have time to get through all this and I get frustrated just listening to a bunch of simple Simon ass nonsense also uh, just to be quite honest with you um, uh, Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. This is for October, uh, October 13th, 2021. Who's read this article before? Who show all oh, the people that keep talking about reparations? Did they go over this article with you? Probably not. Okay. Now let's look at this here, right? Cause the proof is in the jello pudding. Now, this is from history.com, the official website of the History Channel. Okay, we'll, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. We're going to go to clip one when we come back from the break. Um, Mukasina from uh, Faraji Muhammad Show. We'll go to clip one. This is the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, uh, I want to go to the, the uh, article I was about to go to right before the break. This is from history.com. History.com is the official website of the History Channel. Name of this article is Nine Entrepreneurs Who Helped Build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Nine Entrepreneurs Who Helped Build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. This is from May 14, 2021, written by Alexis Clark. In the article, Hannibal B. Johnson is um is quoted now if we look at this section african americans and land ownership in oklahoma 
African-Americans and land ownership in Oklahoma. It says before the Greenwood District, uh, before the Greenwood District was established, African-Americans came to Oklahoma in the mid-19th century as slaves of the five civilized tribes, as slaves of the five civilized tribes and Native Americans. This is what we were talking about right before the break. Now, uh, the term, the, the five civilized tribes is the term used for the Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw Creek, and Seminole tribes who were forced from their lands in the southeast part of the United States, resettling in Oklahoma, then known as Indian Territory. After the Civil War, under the terms of the treaties of 1866, treaties, treaties in the U.S. Constitution of the Supreme Law of the Land, these African-Americans were emancipated with some integrating into the tribes, a relationship that would later provide freedmen with their own land. Quote, now Hannibal B. Johnson is quoted here. Quote, the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma comes in part through their connection to the tribes and their land ownership. Comes in part through their connection to the tribes and their land ownership, says Hannibal B. Hannibal B. Johnson, historian and author of Black Wall Street 100 and An American City Grapples with this Historical Racial Trauma. Now, the Dawes Act of 1887, the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887, named after Senator Henry L. Dawes, D-A-W-E-S of Massachusetts, authorized the United States government to divide tribal territories into allotments for individual Native Americans, which included black members of these Native American nations. As word spread that Indian territory was a safe place for African Americans to settle, between 1865 and 1920, more than 50 black townships were founded in Oklahoma. And when the Tulsa race massacre happens, it's gonna be these black townships that help those in North Tulsa rebuild. So we rebuilt Black Wall Street with our own dollars and with the help of surrounding black townships, okay? But read this article here, Nine Entrepreneurs Who Helped Build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. So so if we're talking about, you know, how we build Black Wall Street again, well, how did you build it the first time? Those treaties played a big part in that. This is why with Demario Solomon Simmons, and Representative Maxine Waters are doing, they're on the right track because they're trying to enforce what is already law. Now, and what they were doing, they didn't say anything about having to do a study because they're enforcing treaties that are already on the books. And in that article that I read, dealing with HR 40, it didn't say anything about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866 in that article. Okay, uh, we're gonna switch gears here. I wanna go to, uh, I was on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture, on Thursday, uh, December 1st. We talked about uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries becoming uh, House Minority Leader. Uh, let's go to clip number one, please, uh, Mukasina. All right, folks, welcome back to The Culture here on the Black Star Network. I'm your host, Faraji Muhammad. Thank you so much for tuning in 
and being a part of the conversation uh, as we are just going to be shifting gears, not necessarily away from politics, but just about person. We go from one black man to another. And this one is one that is certainly making history. We're talking about Hakeem Jeffries, who's the congressman out of New York, who has been elected and voted or who was voted to be the leader of the House Democrats as he is taking on the role of House Speaker after Nancy Pelosi has decided to step down, not in full, from her role as House Speaker, but she still is, of course, going to be working in Congress. But this is opening the door for his historic major moment that you have a black man who is the leader of, a, of, of one of the national parties, both parties, actually, uh, and in this way. So we wanted to talk about the significance of this. And I couldn't think of anybody better to discuss this other than my brother, Brother Michael Nimhotep of the African History Network. You can definitely check out his shows and, of course, the work that he's doing at the AfricanHistoryNetwork.com and so much that he brings to the table. So we're always happy to have him to talk about this great history-making moment. But, and Ariel, I want you to let me know if we could uh, play the video of Hakeem Jeffries when he talks about him being elected and, and, and the work that he plans to do with his colleagues. I want to play this video for y'all and in a moment. But I do want to share with right, you... Him. I'll drop out and come. We'll just... Um, you know, I want to play this video of what Hakeem Jeffries had to say about the level of unity and where he plans to stand on this uh, new role that he is, that he, he's been uh, elected to. This is big, folks. I don't want you to think that uh, a black man running and, and being the House Speaker is a small time feat. It's not small time by any means of the imagination. And so uh, just let me know, Ariel, when we can get it. If we could play this video, this is going to be of Hakeem Jeffries, you know, thanking, uh, the, you know, his colleagues for voting him in as the House Speaker. Uh, and more importantly, um, you know, what he planned to do. So let's move forward. Let's play that video for me, please, Ariel, of the Congressman. Honor to stand before you today uh, as the incoming House Democratic leader for the 118th Congress that will convene on January 3rd and to be joined by my two good friends, amazing colleagues and partners, the incoming House Democratic Whip, Catherine Clark, and the incoming caucus chair, Pete Aguilar. I also want to convey my thanks to Speaker Nancy Pelosi, an extraordinary speaker for the ages, who has delivered so much for so many over such a significant period of time. Our caucus is better, our country is better, the world is better because of Speaker Nancy Pelosi's incredible leadership. I also want to thank our current House Majority Leader, Steny Hoyer, and our current House Majority Whip, Jim Clyburn. We look forward to finding opportunities to partner with the other side of the aisle and work with them whenever possible. But we will also push back against extremism whenever necessary. Mm. Hakeem Jeffries, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, the first black man to hold the post of House Speaker 
We got Brother Michael. Let's bring Brother Michael and Hotep back into the conversation. Brother Michael, we got yes. you down, bro. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All we right, can hear sure. you loud and clear. Appreciate yes. you. Brother Michael, what, what, what this, talk to us about the significance of, of, of this moment for Hakeem Jeffries and for the, the state of black politics, black uh, political power. Um, is this something that you feel like black America should be excited and celebrate and, and celebrate? Uh, I think I think we should be excited about it and celebrate for a moment. But we, we also have to understand that we have to uh, understand politics, law, economics and understand how to push an agenda. Hakeem Jeffries is brilliant. His uncle is one of my teachers. Dr. Leonard Jeffries, one of our grandmaster scholar warriors. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know, I know, I know his, his brother as well. Um, so I interviewed his brother on my show. So Hakeem Sekou Jeffries is is brilliant. He was one of the uh, uh, he, he was one of the uh, 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 one of those who administered the impeachment. Uh, one of Donald Trump's impeachment, I think, it was the first impeachment. Um, he's represented. Uh, New York for for years as a member of the House of Representatives. He's a member of the Congressional Black Caucus as well. He is the first um, African American to be uh, House Minority Leader of either of either major political party. Yep. And what this will allow him to do is to put front and center issues that uh, impact everybody, whether it's the economy, whether it's inflation, uh, what have you. He will, it would allow him to give him a platform to put front and center how this disproportionately impacts African-Americans and also how policies will dis, disproportionately positively benefit African-Americans. Now, just like with President Barack Obama, we can't just sit back and think one one brother is going to whip all these white people's behinds. It doesn't work like that. OK, it, that's, that's not how the real world works. Okay, mm. we have to we have to understand the groundwork. We have to understand that we have to understand how politics works, understand law. We have to read the U.S. Constitution, understand how to push a political agenda and understand that we have to leverage our economics to enforce our political agenda as well. If you look at what's you look at what's taking place right now with um, student loan forgiveness, Republicans don't support student loan forgiveness. I heard so many people call into talk radio, call in the Reverend Al Sharpton show, posts on social media, tell Joe Biden, telling Joe Biden, saying all he has to do is sign an executive order. All he has to do is sign an executive order. Obviously, you've never been involved in writing an executive order. I actually have for the city of Detroit. They had to do extensive legal research to make sure that Biden had the legal authority to do that. An executive order is not just signing a document. You don't understand dealing with the federal government. This is going to impact 43 million people. Well, guess what? It's tied up in court. So he did the executive order. They put out a 25 page document explaining their legal rationale of why Biden has the authority to do this based upon the 2003 Heroes Act. And Republicans have sued and tied it up, blocked it in court. Now he's going to the U.S. Supreme Court. So all the people who were saying all he has to do is sign an executive order, none of them saw this coming. None of those people weren't saying, wait a second, they have to make sure they're on legal grounds. That what, what happens when lawsuits are filed? 
this can go to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you got a 6-3 uh, conservative Supreme Court. Okay, so this is why we have to, under once again, one brother ain't going to go in and beat all these white people's behinds. No, you have to understand how all this comes together. And unfortunately, many of us are playing the game of political football and don't know the difference between a first down and a touchdown and wonder why we're not scoring any points. So so that that opens up the conversation, and I'm so happy that you mentioned that, Brother Michael. That opens up the conversation about tempering our expectations, right? Um, yeah. Because... We do expect that black folks get into these positions of power and that they're going to whip the system's ass. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work like that. What challenges do you foresee him, uh, Brother Hakeem, um, having having to face um, as he as he gets into this new role? Plus, it was reported by CNN that mm -hmm. uh, uh, he plans on spending just two years in the minority before trying to become speaker himself after the 2024 election. So well, he's, that's, he's mm -hmm. got his eyes set on, uh, on, on the even bigger situation. So what challenges do you foresee him having to face? Well, well the reason why he has his eyes on being uh, speaker of the House of Representatives is because Democrats are anticipating taking back control of a house in 2024. After people, after America sees how crazy Republicans are going to be for the next two years. Notice how they stopped talking about uh, fighting inflation and fighting crime. And they're talking about investigating Hunter Biden's laptop. They're talking about investigating uh, the, the origins of COVID-19 and, and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. They want to, they want to investigate the investigators on the uh, uh, January 6th committee. Okay. They're talking about all, all of these, uh, they're talking about all these investigations. Notice how they stopped talking about, I, I thought, I thought inflation was the worst thing, uh, 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 Kevin McCarthy. They have not presented a plan to deal with inflation. They have not presented a plan to deal with crime. Okay. So one of the, one of the big, his biggest problems is going to be with dealing with chaos, utter chaos from the Marjorie Taylor Greens, whose voices are, whose voices are going to be elevated, the Matt mm -hmm. Gates, whose voices are going to be elevated, and there's going to be total chaos uh, amongst Republicans, especially if Kevin McCarthy becomes House uh, 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 Speaker of the House of Representatives, because he's going to cut so many deals, because they're only going to probably have about a four seat margin, maybe five seat margin, and yeah. and because you're going to have so many crazies uh, 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 there, you're going to have people like Louis Gohmert. And, and uh, Jim Jordan, things like this. He's going to have to cut so many deals, Kevin McCarthy. They're not going to, Republicans are not going to be able to govern. Okay. Now, it will help Democrats in 2024. You're not going to be able to get a lot of bills passed with these crazies controlling the uh, House of Representatives, these Republicans, because no bill can come to the House floor for a debate or a vote without the permission of the Speaker of the House of Representatives. <clears throat> So people, people don't understand. You got to study that you go to house.gov, learn the rules of how the House of Representatives operates, which is different than the Senate. OK, this is why back in when um, Representative J uh, 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 John Lewis was still alive and when Paul Ryan, uh, uh, Republican Paul Ryan was speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, remember, they had a sit in on the House of Representatives floor trying to force Paul Ryan to take a vote. Uh, on common sense gun laws. I don't know how many people remember this. They had a sit-in on led by John Lewis on, on the House floor. 
they never took that vote. Hmm. Why? Because the Speaker of the House controls this. And right. he didn't call for he didn't call for the vote. So we don't a lot of times we think this these elections are about one person. No, they're not. You have to understand how all this comes together. So we're we're in for a crazy two years, but we need to set this up for Democrats to to expand their margin in the Senate, take back control of the House, and maintain the White House as well. If, if, if we look at black political power. We and you and I have had conversations, brother Michael. When you 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 question, you know, the whole idea of a black agenda, right? You you broke that down very well. I think it was last week when we had you on. You you talked about this, but but when we talk about looking at twenty four, if mm -hmm. Hakeem Jeffries is looking to be the House Speaker, you know, right. versus being a presidential candidate, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, I mean, he's a, he's a rising black star among the Democrat Party. He may, right. he could possibly run, or or or, or is yeah. this too? He too, can run, too but ain't, ain't, he's gonna lose. Uh, yeah. For, first of all, when we look at those who have been successful in becoming president in the last fifty years, none of them came from the House of Representatives. Meaning, you don't go from being a uh, you don't go from being a member in the house of representatives where you represent about seven hundred ten thousand people to becoming president and you govern 330 million people that don't even happen for white men okay they either be they're either senators or they're governors okay right 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 or right, or, right. Or, or, or they're or they're reality tv stars they got like 80 million followers on twitter something like that okay but usually they're either senators or or governors okay uh, if we go back and look, whether we look at uh, 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 George W. Bush, the son, governor of Texas, where we look at Barack Obama, senator from uh, Illinois. Uh, if we look at uh, Bill Clinton, governor of Arkansas. OK, th this is how this happened. Or they were vice president, as in the case of, of Joe Biden. And that's the best experience to be president, vice president. You don't go from being speaker of the House of Representatives to uh, uh, being president of the United States. And you also don't go from being a state representative to being vice president of the United States either. This is why I love, I love Stacey Abrams. No way in the hell Stacey Abrams is going to become vice president. The, 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 I love my people, but damn, we, we don't understand how none of this stuff works. No, you don't go from being a state representative and that's the highest office you've had. And you never worked in the federal government before. This right. is why, this is why Kamala Harris, was the best choice. Not only was she a U.S. senator, but she ran the largest Department of Justice in the country outside of the U.S. Department of Justice. That's the Department of Justice in California. You don't go from being in the state legislature to being vice president over 330 million people. The real world does not work like that, even for white men. So mm -hmm. this is why we got to understand and stop wasting all this time and confusing activity with productivity and, 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 and not getting the desired results. So, 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 what should be the expectations that we should that we should have around Hakeem Jeffries over the next two years, right? Because these next two years, after this midterm election, these are going to be pivotal years between twenty two and twenty four, not just because of Trump, just because of the direction that both parties are going in, GOP and Democrats, right? Democrats are still. I, I just saw a piece on CNN. They said that Jeffries is uh, um, that he is. He's becoming a House leader at a time when the Democrat Party is is running amok. 
Uh, he's becoming a House leader at a time the where the, the GOP... Republican, was, the Republican Party is running the Oh, muck. yeah, the running Democratic the muck, too. That's what I was going to mention. The, but, yeah, the Democratic Party is not running the muck. They're more unified. That's why he was not challenged. Mm, gotcha, he was not gotcha. challenged. Uh, but should, should we expect... Should we expect... I mean, he, he talked about in his in his remarks yesterday, he talked about, you know, challenging extreme extremism coming from the other side. But But should we expect something... So black folks expect something from him uh, 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 under his leadership, um, you know, as House Minority Leader. So, so black folks expect something to come from them that we didn't see from Nancy Pelosi or anyone else. I think you I, I think he will focus uh, a lot more in on the uh, on policies that benefit African-Americans on how we're harmed, uh, uh, how policies will harm us as well. He'll talk more about how policies coming from Republicans are going to harm us. He's going to highlight uh, the plight of African African Americans uh, a lot more. We'll see this. I think he will have a much larger presence on Roland Martin Unfiltered than Nancy mm. Pelosi did as well. Even though I rather have Nancy, I would rather have Nancy Pelosi as as a uh, uh, as Speaker of the House of Representatives than Kevin McCarthy, okay, any day of the week. But she didn't do Roland Martin. She did it like, I think, once in the past right. few years, right? Right, right, so, right. So, so Rep Representative Hakeem Jeffries will not uh, uh, be somebody who's absent on Roland Martin Unfiltered. You're going to see uh, a, a, a presence on, uh, of him on MSNBC, CNN, things like this. And he will uh, speak much louder about how policies benefit African-Americans and uh, various policies that will hurt us as well, especially coming from Republicans. Now, the challenge is going to be uh, getting bills passed. You're going to have to uh, cut some deals with Republicans and focus on how, look, these policies are going to help everybody, okay? You, you were not going to be able to get the most progressive policies passed in the House. For, for instance, the child tax credit. Uh, I doubt if you see that getting passed in the House. I, right. don't even know, I don't even know if Kevin McCarthy would let that vote come to the House floor. So uh, these two years, uh, this is why I said Democrats really need to con maintain control of the House. But uh, it could have been a lot worse. Republicans yeah. could have picked up a lot more seats in the House of Representatives. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to pause it there. Okay. Look, that's going to uh, do it for us uh, today. Check out the uh, rest of that clip that was from Thursday, December 1st. That's uh, from the culture for Roger Muhammad show on the black star media network, download the black star media network app, go to Roland S Martin on Facebook or YouTube. You can watch the videos there as well. Uh, be sure to support the African history network. Uh, we have our uh, bundle pack of uh, of my lectures at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, as well as on um, uh, our bundle pack of uh, courses as well, two courses. But my 15 uh, lecture download bundles, all downloads, don't have to deal with DVDs. African History Awakens the African Mind for Mental Death. Okay, includes 15 of my lectures, including some of my lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. Uh, my latest lecture on the film Black Panther is on sale $10. It's in digital download form only right now. Black Panther analysis, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever analysis, African and Mesoamerican culture, a shared history. I did this November 19th, 2022. 
here in Detroit that's on sale $10 in digital download format. So you can start watching it right away. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. All right. Uh, Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correction wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace.